2 Kings. The book of 2 Kings in chapter number 1. Second Kings in chapter number one. Certainly desire your prayers that the Lord would help us. I want to be a help and a blessing to you and bring glory and honor to Him. It's our purpose and goal for being here. I pray that we can leave with Him on our heart and on our mind and in our sight. Leave better than we come because of that that He's been pleased to do in our midst tonight. Second Kings in chapter number 1, when you found your place, if you're physically able and willing to do so, we'll stand together out of reverence and honor to the reading of the Word of God. Second Kings chapter 1, I want to read almost the entire chapter, just a few verses. I'll try my best to read it as quick as I can and not where you was standing. I want to read it to give some context about what's taking place here in the Word of God. The Bible said, Then Moab rebelled against Israel after the death of Ahab. And Ahaziah fell down through a lattice in his upper chamber that was in Samaria and was sick. And he sent messengers and said unto the young go, Inquire of Beelzebub, the god of Ekron, whether I shall recover of this disease. But the angel of the Lord said to Elijah the Tishbite, Arise, go up to meet the messengers of the king of Samaria, and say unto them, Is it not because there is not a god in Israel that you go to inquire of Beelzebub, the king of Ekron? Now therefore, thus saith the Lord, Thou shalt not come down from the bed on which thou art gone up, but shalt surely die, and Elijah departed. When the messengers turned back unto him, he said unto them, Why are you now turned back? They said unto him, There came a man up to meet us, and said unto us, Go, turn again unto the king that sent you, and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Is it not because... There is not a God in Israel that thou sendest to inquire Beelzebub, the God of Ekron. Therefore, thou shalt not come down from that bed on which thou art gone up, but shalt surely die. And he said unto them, What manner of man was he which came up to meet you and told you these words? They answered him, He was an hairy man with a girdle of leather about his loins. He said, It is Elijah the Tishbite. Then the king sent unto him a captain of fifty with his fifty. And he went up to him, and behold, he sat on the top of an hill. And he spake unto him, Thou man of God, the king hath said, Come down. And Elijah answered and said to the captain of fifty, If I be a man of God, then let fire come down from heaven. Consume thee and thy fifty. There came down fire from heaven and consumed him and his fifty. Again also he sent unto him another captain of fifty with his fifty. And he answered and said unto him, O man of God, thus hath the king said, Come down quickly. And Elijah answered and said unto them, If I be a man of God, 
Let fire come down from heaven and consume thee and thy fifty. And the fire of God came down from heaven and consumed him and his fifty. And he sent again a captain of the third fifty with his fifty. And the third captain of fifty went up and came and fell on his knees before Elijah and besought him and said unto him, O man of God, I pray thee, let my life and the life of these fifty thy servants be precious in thy sight. Behold, there came fire down from heaven and burnt up the two captains of the former fifties with their fifties. Therefore, let my life now be precious in thy sight. The angel of the Lord said unto Elijah, Go down with him. Be not afraid of him. He arose and went down with him unto the king. And he said unto him, Thus saith the Lord, For as much as thou hast sent messengers to inquire Beelzebub, the God of Ekron, is it not because there is no God in Israel to inquire of his word? Therefore thou shalt not come down off that bed on which thou art gone up, but shalt surely die. So he died according to the word of the Lord, which Elijah had spoken. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. We read here, Second Kings chapter number 1, we're told in the beginning of the chapter that Ahab has died. We know this man by the name of Ahab really well. He is the most wicked king that's ever been in power, according to the word of God. It's not the opinion of man. The Bible said he did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel to ride than any king that was before him. And Ahab is that king who's in power when all of a sudden Elijah the Tishbite comes on the scene seemingly out of nowhere with a message from God that it shall not rain nor will there be any dew until God says so. Ahab is the one in power when there's a drought for three and a half years. Ahab is the one in power during the contest at Carmel between the prophets of Baal and the prophets of the grove and Elijah, the man of God. But when Elijah said, choose now who you'll serve. If God is God, serve him. And if Baal is God, then serve him. But we'll know today who is God in Israel. Ahab is the king who is married to a woman by the name of Jezebel. And she has paid priests, the prophets of the grove that sit at her table and tell her what she wants to hear. Ahab is the king who, when Naboth would not sell his vineyard or trade Ahab for another, that Jezebel had him killed so Ahab could have that piece of ground that stood hard by the palace of the king. So they are wicked people, but we know and understand that Ahab is dead. We also know that Jezebel is dead, but now the Bible said that there's a man by the name of Ahaziah who is the son of Ahab who is in power in the land of Israel. And the Bible tells us that the land of Moab rebels against the land of Samaria and in that contest, in that battle, 
battle. Apparently, as we read it, the king must have been trying to get to high ground to escape capture and defeat. And as he's going, he falls down through a window, through the lattice, and he is put on a sick bed. And while he's there, he sends the messengers to inquire of Beelzebub, the god of Ekron, whether or not that he'll get up off the bed where he is. And as the messengers are going, the word of God comes to Elijah the Tishbite to go and meet the messengers and ask them to ask Ahaziah why it is that he's going to inquire of Beelzebub, the god of Ekron. He said, is it not because there is not a god in Israel? He said, why have you rejected the god of Israel and inquired after false gods. I want to say I don't want to preach on this but by way of passing I think this scripture reveals to us two great truths. Number one, I think it reveals to us the importance of the man of God. Now God puts his approval on the man of God. God separates the man of God from everybody else. Now it's not the fact that he's not a mere man, for he is just a man. But the reality is, it is the calling of God that separates the man of God from everybody else. It was not anybody else in the land of Samaria or in the land of Israel that got the word from the Lord, but it was the man of God. And I'll say in these days, and you know this way, I'm not preaching anything you don't know, but sometimes in these last days, maybe we need to be reminded that if God's going to have a message for your heart or your home or your family or your loved ones, He's going to send it by the man of God. That is the method that God has chosen. We can go out and visit and that's wonderful. We can invite folks to come and that's wonderful. They can have their programs and their plays and their plans and it may all be wonderful in its place but according to the word of God it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe unto us which are saved we know the preaching of the cross is the power of God unto the world it's foolishness but we know we've had an experience and an encounter with the preached word of God and it's not just any preaching that will do. There's a lot of so-called preaching that's going on in this day in the name of God and in the name of religion. But I'm going to say that only the anointed, inspired, and Holy Ghost sent Word of God will ever work in these days. Oh, they can dazzle with their intellect. They can woo them to the altar. They can give a five-point sermon and all their words be so pronounced and so pristine but the old preacher said if it's born in the mind it'll only ever reach the mind but if God ever puts it in the heart it'll reach the heart and the Holy Ghost and the preached word of God under the inspiration and anointing and unction of the Holy Ghost is the only thing that will work and change folks in these days 
That is right. We live in a day where they say, help them do better. You can't help a dead man do better. He's going to have to see he's dead and want to be made alive. And the only way for that to take place is by the preaching of the Word of God and the convicting power of the Holy Ghost. Yes, sir. It is right. Yes. Is that not what the Lord said? He said, no man cometh unto me except my Father which has sent me first. Draw him. That's right. That is right. He said, no man cometh unto the Father but by me. But he said, in order to get to me, in order to get to the Father, the Spirit of God must draw you. That's right. Over at the well, Jesus was speaking with that woman and she was amazed at the drawing power of God. For he said, if you knew the gift of God and who it was that said to you, give me to drink, you'd ask of him and he'd give you living water. She said, sir, I don't understand. She said, the well is deep and you don't have anything to draw with. But he didn't need a bucket to do his drawing. He was drawing already in her. And that's the drawing power of God. For you see, the will of God is deeper than any man's bucket can ever get to. There's no bucket big enough made by man to draw out of God. If we could get a rope deep enough to get down yonder where it's at, there ain't a bucket big enough to pick up what's in the well. If there was a bucket big enough, there ain't a man on earth got the strength to pull it back up out of the well. It sounds to me like it's going to take God and the Word of God and the Holy Ghost of God to get the work done in this day. We have come to a place. Now I'm not necessarily talking. Now I want you to hear me well. I'm going to be real careful here because it's hard sometimes to preach about being a preacher when you are a preacher. And I'm not going to. I'm not elevating me by any means. And I'm not necessarily elevating the man. But we we better have high regard and high respect for the calling of God. God calls the man. The church don't call the man. The Baptists don't call the man. Mom and daddy don't call the man. That's the problem in these days we got a lot of them that are called by the preacher or called by the church or called by their parents and never have had the call of God but I'm going to tell you it's a high office and a respectful place for a man of God to be called by God and we ought to have reverence for the call of God we've come to the place now I'm going to say I like to have fun with all of you and the best of you. And we will outside the doors. We'll have a good time. We'll laugh. But I'm going to tell you, we've come to the place in our day, in our generation, in this year that we're living in, where the man of God is treated like everybody else. And I don't mean that about me. I'm not elevating me. But I'm going to tell you, we ought to teach our children a respect for the man of God. When I was growing up, you can fall out with me if you want to. I'm not preaching that you have to. I guess I'm preaching my preference if you want me to say that tonight. But when I was growing up, it was ingrained in me that you never did call the preacher by his first name. That it was disrespectful to do so. And so it was ingrained in me as a young man that when I seen an older man of God come through, it was to be brother so-and-so or preacher so-and-so or pastor so-and-so. 
uh, we was here at the church the other night and I'm not preaching uh, that you have to do that for me don't go off uh, and say the preacher said I couldn't call him uh, by his name that's not what I'm saying uh, I'm just telling you we have lost sight uh, of the respect for the calling uh, of a man of God uh, we was here at the church the other night uh, stand, maybe the other day standing outside maybe on Sunday uh, and little Ella run around uh, and she hollered hey preacher and brother Tim said what'd she say uh, did she say preacher I said yeah that's all she ever calls me I'm going to tell you I'm not focusing on her but I'm telling you that's the way it ought to be and we ought to train our children if we could understand it's not about the man it's not about the pulpit it's not about the carpet but it's about the call of God and this is a sacred place and this is a sacred work that cannot be done by a man alone I cannot do what I'm doing tonight without the help of God and so it ain't about me but it's about my resting on him and the calling he's put on me and there ought to be high regard and respect for the office of the man of God come to a day in the land of Israel where they had no regard for the man of God and we're in that day in America today where there's no regard for the man of God now, I didn't think I was going to get off on all this, but it's a coming to my heart, so I don't know anything else to do but unload tonight as he puts it on me. I'm going to tell you, many preachers are to blame for the reason that the man of God is not respected. And you want to tell me why? Me to tell you why? It's because we're living in a day, and I know this ain't popular, and uh, I mean, it's a going out tonight, and, uh, and people are going to hear it on the radio, and they may be watching it tonight, uh, but I'm going to tell you, uh, when we uh, degraded the man of God uh, and the office of the preacher, and they started wearing their skinny jeans uh, into the pulpit, and their t-shirts, uh, and their ball caps, and their sunglasses, uh, and they turned them strobe lights on, uh, and they started jumping around, and hooping, and hollering, uh, and everything in the church moved their feet and it never moved their heart and it dealt with their head oh they can tell me all day long that it moves them it might do it but it don't move the part that needs to be moved down inside of me the only thing that really moves the people of God is the preached word of God under the unction and the anointing of the Holy Ghost of God I'll say tonight singing you can sing in the Holy Ghost and we ought to strive to do so when it bubbles up in our soul and tears start Throwing out of face uh, that God's a blessing and anointing. Uh, you can pray in the Holy Ghost uh, and you ought to desire to do so. Uh, you can testify in the Holy Ghost uh, and shout in the Holy Ghost uh, and it ought to be your goal to do so. Uh, but I'm going to tell you there's nothing on earth that will ever take the place of the preaching of the Word of God. That's right. I'm not saying that you got to wear a white shirt all the time and wear a certain color suit and certain color shoes. But I'm going to say that if any man, and I'm going to say it tonight because it's right, it doesn't matter to me, and I don't say this arrogantly or meanly, but if any man can mount this desk and walk up on the stage or the platform or behind the pulpit and not have some fear and reverence in him for the job in the office and the responsibility, if it don't weigh heavy on him, he ought to take his a seat until it comes back again. We live in a world where church has become a game and it's become amusement. That is right. And I didn't think I'd say all of that. 
But what's a burning on my heart tonight is the fact that this king sent these messengers down and he did recognize him. He did recognize him as the man of God. But he said, come down, O thou man of God. Like he could dictate to the man of God what he was supposed to do. And Elijah said, I'm not coming down. He said, if I be Elijah, and this is where I want to get to right here just a minute and try to back up what I said just a minute ago, that it ain't about me, it ain't about the man. Elijah never did boast and glory in the fact that he was a man of God. He never defended himself to be a man of God. He said, let God say whether or not I am a man of God. We live in a day where it's all about me, me, me. And they want to plaster their faces on billboards and on the side of tractor and trailers. And they want to talk about what they're doing, what they're accomplishing, how many people they want. I ain't never want anybody to cross. And neither of you. It's not my job and it ain't yours. It's our job to be a light. It's our job to be a witness. It's our job to be salt. And salt will produce a thirst. It's our job to be light. That will shine in the darkness. But it's the Holy Ghost business to get them to cross. It is right. Yes, sir. It is right. Yes, sir. He said, man of God, the king said, come down. Elijah said, if I be a man of God, let fire fall from heaven. Now, he must have had some pretty big confidence in the calling that had been put on him to make a statement like that. He said, if I be a man of God, let fire fall and consume you and your 50. And it did. And the next one come. Now by this time, Ahaziah is really hot. Uh, they come back, I don't know how word got uh, back to Ahaziah that the captain of 50 and his 50 are perished. I don't know how it got back to him, but Ahaziah sent a second one and he said this time, don't just tell him to come down. Tell him to come down quickly. The king said, you make sure to tell him I said so. And so here goes this captain of 50 with his 50 and up to the top of the hill. Ain't it amazing that the Bible is so specific to say that Elijah was in an elevated place. He was high up, separated from all of them. And that's where the people of God ought to be. And what's a burden on me tonight's to preach why we can't come down. Elijah said I can't come down. He said I ain't coming down until God tells me to. I'm not coming down. We understand in the end God gave him leave and said go with him after that messenger uh, that captain fell on his face uh, but this second one comes and he says oh man of God uh, the king said come down and do it quickly yeah. and Elijah said if I'm a man of God let fire fall from heaven consume you and your 50 and it did so the importance of the preacher but I also want to say this scripture shines a light on the impact of the parents his mom and daddy hated the man of God. His mom and daddy disrespected the man of God. And so this son has about no choice but to do the same. His parents had an impact on his view of the man of God. And so he treated the man of God just like he saw his parents treat the man of God. Oh yeah. 
Ahab wanted to kill him. Ahab searched the whole country to find him. Jezebel, when the prophets of Baal and the prophets of the grove were slain, Jezebel sent word and said, the gods do more to me and more so if I don't make your life like theirs by this time tomorrow. She said, I'll kill you for what you've done. And you know, oh, as I heard how mom and daddy treated the man of God. And so when the ministers come back, I'm going to tell you why Ahaziah sent to Beelzebub. It was not because there wasn't a God in Israel. It was because he knew them people would tell him what he wanted to hear. And when they came back so soon, they didn't have time to get where the God of Ekron was. They came back quickly. He said, how is it that you're come back so soon? They said, a man met us and said to tell you, you didn't inquire the God of Israel, and so you won't come down from your bed. And Ahaziah said, who, what kind of man was he? And they began to describe Elijah. They said he was a hairy man and girt about with a a leathern girdle about his loins. And immediately Ahaziah knew who it was. Now I'm going to preach to myself now. I wonder in these days if our towns know that there's a man of God in the town. Immediately, as I said, it's Elijah, the Tishbite. It's that man that cut the heavens off. It's that man that brought the rain back again. It's that man that killed the prophets of Baal. It's that man that sent blood down the river. It's that man that did all these mighty things. It's the man of God. He said, I don't want nothing to do with him. He said, my mom and daddy hated him, and I hate him too. Now I'm going to tell you, you'll have an impact. You hear me tonight, you parents, grandparents, on your children. The Bible said in the book of Ephesians chapter 6 to train them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. The word nurture, if you study it out in its context and in its original, it means it encompasses all the training, all the education of the children, especially when it comes to correction. It means that when they do something they're not supposed to do, it is expected of us as parents to correct them and lead them and guide them in the right direction. And the word admonition means mild rebuke. It means that we're to warn them sternly that what they're doing is wrong. And it also means to exhort that we're to warn them about what's wrong and exhort them about what's right. We'll have an impact on them. But they said, come down. And he said, I'm not coming down. Now he didn't say it in them words. But he wasn't coming down. I'm going to tell you in these days, in these last days we're living in, we're going to have to have some resolve as the people of God we're not coming down. Why can't we come down? Well, I think it's the same reasons that Elijah couldn't come down. It's the same reasons you and I can't. And there are three that God put on my heart today beyond a shadow of a doubt. And I'm going to give them to you and I'll be done. Number one, we can't come down because we've been commanded not to. Elijah's up on the hill. 
And he has not got word from the Lord to come down. And so Elijah says, unless God tells me to come down, I'm not coming down. Now what, what is this coming down? It draws a picture and a parallel of compromise, of settling, of meeting with the world, of blending in, conforming. And the Bible said we have been commanded, be not conformed to this world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So we've been commanded not to come down. We cannot come down because we've been commanded not to. We've been, it's not a suggestion that we've been commanded not to come down. We can't come down. And then also the Lord put on my heart, and I'll give you these real quick and I'll be done. I've already preached longer than I thought I would tonight. I appreciate the Lord dealing my heart about these things. We can't come down because we've been commanded not to. We can't come down if we want to take the context of the Scripture that we read and then apply it to our life today. We cannot come down because we're too close to home. The very next chapter, Elijah is getting out of here. And he can't come down. He's too near the end to compromise now. He's too near the end to quit now. He's too near the end to give up now. It's just going to be a few short days. And he's a checking out. And I'm telling you, we're in the last of the last days. And if there's ever a time that we as the people of God ought to be determined not to quit, and determined not to compromise, and determined not to come down, it's in these days we're too close to home. The songwriter wrote, I don't believe he'll fail me just a few short steps from home. And he ain't going to fail us. And so if he ain't going to fail us, we ain't got no room to compromise and no room to back down. I know it's hard days. I know we get weary. I know we wear out. I know thoughts run through our minds. But we can't give up. We're too near the end. We all have days when doubts and fears and problems and circumstances plague our mind. We all have those days. We all have days when we get real weary and we feel like giving up. And we might as well not be super spiritual and say that we don't have them days. And I'm going to be honest with you and tell you, I have them days. Has to be 100% honest with you. And I'm just preaching now. Y'all know me well enough to know by now. If the Lord says to say it, I'm going to do my best to say it. Don't matter if it makes me look bad. It ain't about me anyway. It's about Him. And if I was to be honest with you, I've had some of them days this week. My body was tired. Last night, I'm not complaining. And we're, we're live right now because I thought maybe she might be able to tune in and watch. And that's, I hope she is. It's wonderful. But my body was tired. Last night was the first night in about three or four days I really slept. And I mean, when you go without sleep for three or four days, some of you know I'm not boasting or asking for pity tonight about my situation. Some of you have been in the same situations. And when you go that long, your, th- your mind starts thinking things and going places it don't normally go. And you start feeling poor, pitiful me. And nobody cares. And nobody's concerned. Why ain't somebody called? Why ain't somebody text me? Why ain't somebody done this? And I thought, Lord, if this is all there is to it, I'm so weary, I can't go on. I think I'll just give up. I felt yesterday for sure 
But in the midst of all that, out of nowhere is what we would say, but from heaven and from God, this verse of Scripture came to me, and these words, you can't come down. I can't do it. We're too close to home. I've been commanded not to. If I give up, if I lay it down, I can't expect anything more or less from you. I can't give up. I've been commanded by my leader not to. And I'm too close to the finish line to give up now. But then I thought about, and it, it may not be exclusively how it's written in the text, but to make an application to our day, this is how the Lord put it on my heart. We can't come down because we've been commanded not to. We can't come down because we're too close to the end. And we can't come down because our children depend on it. See, if Elijah had quit in chapter 1, we'd never read about the man of God, Elisha, in chapter number 2. There's somebody depending on Elijah. Oh, we don't see him in chapter 1. But according to Scripture, he's there. He's somewhere in the shadows watching what's going on according to Scripture. Go back, I think, to chapter 19 or chapter 20 of 1 Kings. Elijah is commanded by God to go by where Elisha, the son of Shaphat, is plowing with oxen and Elijah casts his mantle on Elisha. And Elisha leaves his father and mother and takes the oxen, kills them, burns them with the plows and offers a sacrifice. And he devotes himself as the ministers, what the Bible said, to Elijah. Bible said he carried water and poured it on his hands. That's what that is, the description we're given of Elisha. He waited on the man of God. And so that is the case. Even though he's not in there, he's in there. I don't know where he was. Maybe sitting right beside Elijah. Maybe somewhere back in the shadows. But Elisha is there. And he's hearing what's going on between Elijah and these people that have been sent by this heathen king. And he wonders, will Elijah give up? Elijah's his hero. Elijah's the one he's been looking up to. Elijah's the one he forsook his father and mother and followed after him and said, everywhere you go, I'll go. Elijah's the one that the next chapter, it doesn't matter to him if it looks like, go home and look at it on the map. It almost looks like somewhat they're going around and around and around in circles. Elisha's the one that says, it don't matter to me. If we're going to Gilgal, if we're going to Bethel, if we're going to Jericho, if we're going to Jordan, wherever you go, I'm going. Because I want to be just like you. You know why? And I'm going to get real down where the rubber meets the road for all of us tonight. You know why Elisha asked for a double portion of Elijah's spirit? Now, hear me tonight. Elisha could have said, I want a double portion of the spirit of the Lord. And that would have been a right request. But Elisha specifically requested a double portion of what Elijah had. You know why that is? Because Elisha wanted to be just like Elijah. You say, you don't really have Bible for that. Well, when they crossed the Jordan, Elijah parted it. 
And they crossed on dry ground. And when Elisha comes back to the Jordan, his cry is, where is the Lord God of Elijah? He said, what does that mean? This is what Elisha was saying. Lord, I want you to do it for Elijah so many times. And I want to be just like him. Will you do it for me like you did it for him? And God did. And when Elisha walked over the prophets, the sons of the prophets said, The spirit of Elijah doth rest on Elisha. They said we thought it was Elijah coming. But it's really Elisha. And apparently Elisha has got what Elijah had. Yes, sir. There's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with leaving our children houses and land and money and cars. and There's nothing wrong with all of that. But I hope that if I can't leave my girls anything else, if it comes my time to go, now I'm just preaching. I'm being real open and real honest with you. I told my wife, and she don't like to talk about it, and I understand that. I told my wife, I said, if something happens to me, you put, you don't take me to the funeral home. You put my casket in front of the pulpit of my church. You call Brother Jeremy Oakley from Fountain Run, Kentucky, and you tell him to preach the Word of God. And I want my girls to walk around and say, I'll take what Daddy had. Daddy, I know you're gone. But I just want what you got. That's what Elisha had to say. Elijah's gone. He can't go get him. But he can have what Elijah had. But Elisha would have never had what Elijah had if Elijah had come down in chapter 1. I'm going to tell you and me and everybody else here tonight, our children need the power of God and they need to see it in you. Now, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with them having other heroes, other godly men and other godly women in the church to be their hero. And that's what our children ought to look for for their heroes. They ought not look on the baseball fields, on the basketball courts, on the football fields, on the television, on the movies, on the big stages where the rock bands play. They ought to look in the house of God. But their heroes ought to start at home with mama and daddy. And they'll have the same regard for God that you have. God broke something in on me yesterday. And I'll say this and I'm done. When our girls were little, we had a dedication for them. And I'm not knocking that. That's wonderful. I think you ought to. But the Lord let me realize something. When we come and I don't know how other people did it. We just bowed around the altar and told the Lord pretty much the same thing Hannah told the Lord when she had Samuel. I said, Lord, you give them to us. We're going to give them back to you. In reality, that's all a dedication is. We're just acknowledging the fact that they don't really belong to us. They belong to God. He's just entrusted us with the great responsibility to raise them. And this is what the Lord spoke to me. When we dedicate a child, it's really the parents that are dedicating themselves to God, not necessarily the children. 
It's easy for us to say, and I'm not knocking it, I've done it. It's easy for us to say, okay, Lord, we're going to give him back to you or her back to you. But we ought to say, Lord, take us. May we dedicate ourselves to you and live a life in front of them that they want what we have with you. We can't come down. The children are dependent upon it. This next, you say Elisha wasn't Elisha's, Elijah's child. No, but he was the next generation. And the next generation is looking to this generation. We didn't get in the shape we're in tonight in one generation. It started several generations ago when the house of God quit meaning as much to people when God quit meaning as much to people as He used to mean. And little by little, we didn't jump off the top of the hill, but little by little, we took a step and a step and a step, and before you knew it, we was right in amongst the world. And we brought the next generation with us. That's right. We can't afford to come down. Got too much at stake. We've been commanded not to. We're too close to home. And our children are dependent on it. I want to say tonight, God help me not to come down. Oh man of God, come down. The king said. What they were doing was putting a lot of pressure on Elijah to come down. I'm going to tell you what's going on in our world today. There's a whole lot of pressure on the people of God to come down, to compromise, to settle in, to conform. But God give us the grace to say, not coming down. Not arrogantly within ourselves. Elijah was not arrogant. He just said, let God do the rest. We're going to have to own up. Lord, we're feeble and I I can't do it. Lord, we're going to have to have your help. I don't want to come down. If we'll get honest before God and humble before Him, He'll give us the strength not to come down. You don't have to. You don't have to compromise. You don't have to belong to the Laodicean age if you don't want to. The preacher preached, I still live in Philadelphia. And you can, even in these days. Father, I thank you tonight for the privilege, the opportunity to have been able to be in your house with your people.